Hey friend, this is episode 403 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today we're talking all about your hormones, PMS, perimenopause, we're really getting in to the whole hormone situation. We've been talking a little bit more about hormones over the last couple of weeks here on the podcast and I'm totally here for it. I hope you're enjoying it. If you're new around these parts, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm a functional blood chemistry specialist and nutritionist. Basically, I look at your blood work and a bunch of different functional tests to figure out what's going on with you and come up with a plan with you. So that's really what I've been focusing on here for the last couple of years really delving deeper than the ketogenic diet. Okay. So the keto diet podcast really has that template of assuming that you're here because you want to eat lower carbs. And then let's just fill in the gaps of your health as a woman and how to really go at this in a balanced way. And so my friend Jen Pike is our guest today. She's a medical exercise specialist and functional diagnostic nutritionist specializing in women's health and hormones. She is the best-selling author of three books, The Simplicity Project, The Simplicity Kitchen, and The Simplicity Body. She's a fiercely driven founder of The Hormone Project, Synced, and The Audacious Woman. These are programs that she's developed and dedicated to empowering and teaching women what they should have known about their bodies all along, the incredible healing abilities, wisdom, and power they hold, and how to bring them to life. Jen sits on the advisory board for Strong Fitness Magazine and serves you up with weekly doses of education, wisdom, and inspiration on the Simplicity Sessions podcast, which has been in Apple's top 200 in health since its debut in September 2018, and her channel, Simplicity TV, on YouTube. I actually did an episode with Jen a little bit ago on her podcast, so you can go check it out. As an inspired wife and mom of two, she understands that true well-being as a woman is a journey to be enjoyed, not a struggle to be forced. Oh man, do I feel that deeply. Jen has put together a freebie for y'all today. You can go to jenpike.com slash adrenal health to get it. That's J-E-N-N-P-I-K-E.com slash adrenal health. Okay, so... In our episode, we mentioned a little bit about copper toxicity, and I had mentioned, because I didn't want to take up Jen's time, the process that your body goes through as you become copper toxic, and I really love sharing this information with my clients only because a lot of us discount the absolute powerful ridiculousness that is copper that shouldn't be in a body at the high amounts that it is in so, so many of us. And so I wanted to take some time to just go through what copper toxicity looks like in the body, what it's doing in the body, just so you can have more details because we do talk about birth control in the episode and the risk of and progression of copper buildup in the body. And so I just wanted to go through this progression. So basically ongoing exposure to copper or synthetic estrogen then leads the body to compensate with healthy adrenal bile function and zinc stores. So copper is an exit 
toxin and stimulates the adrenal glands. Eventually, the adrenal glands weaken due to too much stimulation. Potassium drops and sodium rises, which intensifies the stress response. Magnesium declines, tissue calcium rises, zinc declines, ceruloplasmin begins to decline due to weakened adrenal function copper transport declines and copper starts to build up in the liver. Increased copper stimulates estrogen production and decreases DHEA. Estrogen then stimulates the liver to remove more cholesterol from the blood and divert it into bile, which causes the bile to thicken and function to decline. This is generally when or around this time where people will sometimes get gallbladder removals, which only drives up more estrogen. Copper removal from the body is then slowed due to the fact that the bile is now super thick and not working well. (laughs) Thyroid and metabolism decline due to the higher tissue calcium and low tissue potassium and phosphorus. The calcium shell pattern may develop. This is basically where calcium gets really, really high, and this can cause emotional numbness and spaciness. Once the liver is saturated with copper, it builds up and continues into the brain and the individual begins to experience some pretty severe mental health issues. Copper stimulates adrenaline leading to anxiety and panic. It pushes dopamine into adrenaline, which causes dopamine to decline and adrenaline to increase. Histamine breakdown is inhibited with rashes, hives as being common symptoms. And then this all oxidizes serotonin and prevents it from working and can lead to depression. So copper toxicity is a huge issue. I see this quite frequently in the hair tissue mineral analysis reports that I pull for my clients. And so it's something we definitely need to think of as top, top information as we go through what your body's doing on birth control, how it's working. And so we get through more of those details today, but I just wanted to cover that because I did mention in the recording, I'll just put it at the beginning of this episode. So that's the information that I wanted to share with you before we get into our episode today. We're talking about principles for men versus women and the top items that our guest Jen saw when she was practicing with people, why pushing and workouts isn't always the best idea, the key things all women need to know to support their hormones, making sense of your history and how this feeds into your current experience with your body, learning about your body, why it's important and why it needs to be one of your top priorities, one of your top priorities, not the ultimate top, because I think oftentimes, and I'm guilty of this too, I obsess over all the things that I'm feeling, symptoms of hormone issues beyond your period, the effect that birth control has in the adrenal, thyroid, sex hormone, and overall health patterns. So we just talked about copper. Birth control is going to increase your copper quite substantially. Even years, decades after taking birth control, we can still have copper toxicity because it doesn't go away once it's built up. And by sharing that flow of what happens with copper, I hope you see that and kind of can start to understand that as we talk about it in our episode today. How to prepare your body for the future, three steps toward perimenopause prep, blood sugar regulation for hormone balance and perimenopause. So it's a really good conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's cut over to our time with Jen Pike. 
Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, and heal your body. Starting and maintaining keto can be challenging without the right support. So just for listening to the podcast, I want to give you 20% off the keto beginning with the coupon code KETOPODCAST. That's all one word. This 30-day program gives you a clear step-by-step how-to so you can quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. Go to healthfulpursuit.com slash begin to get your keto beginning discount today. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of happyketobody.com, or maybe you know me as the nutritionist that likes dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Jen, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Yes, me too. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I just shared your official bio, which is incredible. And I would love for you in a couple of words to tell us who you are and what lights you up. So my name is Jen Pike. I am a functional medicine diagnostic nutritionist and medical exercise specialist. And I've been in the health and wellness industry for 25 years now. I registered my first company when I was 17 and I was doing like group exercise and personal training. And then after going to school, I really had a passion in working with athletes. I did that for many, many years. Then I discovered the athletes that I really wanted to work with were what I called the everyday athletes of life, which were women and mothers. And this was even before I was a mom and everything changed for me in working with these women day in and day out is I just recognized a lot of the same principles I could apply to my male clients, you know, over and over again, I couldn't do that with my female clients. And it had me dig a little bit deeper, start to understand more about the hormonal impact of, you know, these different waves and and cycles and phases that we go through as women. I then became a mother myself and that like blew it wide open. It was, you know, one of those things where for many years, I think I was listening to my female clients, but I didn't actually hear them because I, I hadn't lived it. And then when I had my children, it was that lived experience of, oh, like we're actually missing so much more. There's more going on under the hood here. And that really, you know, in 15 years or 15 years ago, I just started to peel back every layer of like what's missing in the lab work, what's missing in our conversations we're having with women. What is when we're really talking about hormonal problems, what does that mean? Because there's so many different things that can be happening. And I really started to realize too that, you know, the woman in her 20s who was coming to me with hormone issues was very different than the woman in her 30s or her 40s and her 50s. And so I I allowed myself to become a beginner again, essentially. And with every new woman that I worked with, it was like I was back in school and I just dove in and I have such reverence for our bodies as women and such a passion about our health and our hormones and really about, you know, our mindset and our energy that is part of all of this and why for some women, you know, you can explain to them, this is what's going on. This is what would be helpful and and they can go and do it. And then for other women, there's such a struggle to either understand it or connect to their body or implement the changes. And so, over these last, you know, this last decade and a half, I've really dedicated myself to that. I founded the Hormone Project about seven years ago, which, as I say, is like taking women back to school 
and teaching them about their bodies, what I believe we all should have been taught from a very, very young age, like eight, nine, 10 for these conversations to start to happen. And now it's like introducing them to their body for the first time at these stages. And yeah, it's, I I love it. I also have two kids and mine are teens now. And my daughter is 16 and my son is 14. And so it's been so amazing raising these two humans that are now these young adults and raising both a daughter and recognizing what we really do need to know about our bodies. And then also raising a son and realizing just how much there is for our boys to understand as well. So in a nutshell, that's a little bit about me and why I am so passionate. That is wonderful. And that lived experience just takes your practice to the next level. Like I know for myself recently, I had H. pylori, which is something that I had worked on. I don't know, over a hundred clients, probably way more than that over the last 15 years, H. pylori. And I would just put together a protocol and be like, here you go. No problem until I had it. And that lived experience. Oh man, you better believe when I see H. pylori now, I'm like, are you doing okay? Do you need anything? else? Are you comfortable? Like it really, that lived experience just takes things to the next level. So I'm glad, I'm glad you talked about that. And also something that kind of tweaked my ear there, which I'm sure maybe some of our listeners had that also is the principles for men versus women. And what were some of the, as you were starting to delve into realizing that a woman is not a mini man and like what that looks like, what were some of the top items that you saw as being just different? as you dove deeper into it? Well, you know, with personal training, you're most often you're seeing that same client typically at the same time every week. So say I had somebody where they, I was seeing them Tuesday at four o'clock, you know, I could have my male client that I was seeing every Tuesday at four o'clock move through, you know, the same type of intensity, you know, rep and set sequencing and, and load and all of that. And he could just show up and he could perform regardless of, of really kind of the day that he had lived. And then I would have a woman come in for her regular weekly slot. And depending on where she was at in her cycle, how her sleep was, how well she was fed that day, what had gone on in her life before she showed up for the session, it was a completely different experience. I would have to vary the types of exercises. I would have to move away sometimes from more compound, heavier lifts to body weight things. I'd have to skew the reps and the sets. She would need more time in between. So her recovery was actually taking longer than the male counterpart. And then when I was realizing this, I started to beta test it and I started to actually try and use the same program sequencing, men and women with clients I had had long-term and short-term and, and really was like kind of seeing my own data happen before my eyes. And those were some of the first things that I really started to notice. I also recognized in training the women, they actually wanted to talk more than they wanted to move. <laughs> You know, they, part of the therapy for their, and and I don't use that word lightly in their personal training sessions was to get the woman, the results she was looking after. We could actually move her body in a focused, you know, 25 to 40 minutes. We didn't need 60 minutes with her. Most of these women coming in weren't like trying to put on massive size and like hypertrophy and all of that. They just wanted to feel good, feel better in their clothing, feel more confident. But they also came in with an invisible amount of weight that you couldn't see, you could feel. And it was that weight that she needed to talk through. So I just started to learn with my female clients, I have to have slightly different programming because at the end of the day, for me as a trainer, I wanted my clients to leave feeling like they had 
you know, just cracked something wide open in themselves that made them feel so good. I didn't want them to leave because they made a sweat angel on the black floor mat. Right. And that they like, I didn't want them using words. Like I just crushed myself in that workout because I recognized that like those were my early years as a trainer. Oh my, that's what you did. You killed your clients. Like you took them to like the next level of intensity because you're told that that's how you're going to create results in people. And that's what they'll come back and pay you for. But for me, I found the harder I pushed them, it actually made them more inflamed. It it really didn't make them feel that much better. And their recovery is what suffered. And to really create change in our physical bodies, like the movement you do, the exercise, that's the catalyst. That's like you planting the seed, but how you go and like feed your body, nurture it, nourish it, rest it. Like that is where the change happens. So that those were the big lessons for me. Wow. Yes, completely. I couldn't agree with you more. You also mentioned a little bit about the key things that you're teaching that you think all women should know as you prepared your course and really what you wanted to impart on these women. What are some of the key pieces that you've kind of concluded through all of your years of work? I think one of the first things specifically around hormones is you need to take the woman back on the journey of when things started to shift in her body. So I will always ask my clients, you know, I ask them about like their health as a child and growing up. And then I'll say, you know, like, when did you get your first, your first period? Like when did a menstrual cycle begin for you? And we'll, we'll talk about that. Like, do you remember back then noticing any changes in your mood or your body or, or any of that, you know, before your period started, how were those first few years with your period? You know, were they hard? Were they heavy? Did you miss school? Did you have cramps? Were you throwing up? was, were you on lots of Advil or, you know, Motrin or ibuprofen? Were you recommended to go on the birth control pill as a teenager because your cramps were so bad or you had acne or you had irregular periods? And so, I mean, I work with a lot of women in their mid to late thirties, forties, and early fifties, and they'll come to me for how they're feeling right now. But if we really want to take a functional approach, we do need to understand more about the origin and like, the way we feel today is not because of what we did yesterday necessarily. It's like the the accumulation. So I also really, in order for women to connect to the changes I may encourage them to create now, I need them to understand A, how long this has actually been going on in their body and B, what, you know, a healthful relationship with your cycle or your hormones or symptoms really could have looked like. Because for that woman who's struggling with perimenopause in her 40s, she almost always struggled with her period back in her teen and her tween years. And so it's like trying to create these correlations. So I teach them about the four phases of their menstrual cycle. I teach them about things like why perhaps we have heavy, painful periods, really exacerbated PMS, a migraine before we bleed, potentially spotting. Like we go through a lot of those things in the hormone project first, and then it's starting to tie in, you know, hormones don't, don't begin and start there. For most of the women that I'm working with, it all actually started going back within their digestive system. There was something that was going on that was dismissed or not addressed, like irregular bowel function, you know, gas and bloating, skin issues, mood issues, different things that were, you know, connected back to what was going on in the gut. And then we, so we address that and then we start to pull the energy forward. And the the reproductive hormones are actually where we do kind of the final work.
I track my macros every three to four days instead of every day because I personally will get totally nuts over the whole process if I do it daily. The twice a week tracking keeps me on target, helps me learn my natural tendencies, especially when I'm left unsupervised. And then I come back, I track, and it actually encourages me to change habits ongoing. This process has helped me feel out what it's like when I don't eat enough fat in the day. I'm sure you've had this feeling before too. The clock strikes 7.30 p.m. You've had dinner, you're feeling a little bit snacky, you're in the mood for something. And on the days that I'm tracking, this feeling is always, always, always because I didn't eat enough fat in the day. I'm usually like 20 to 30 grams or 180 to 270 calories short of fat in the day without fail every time. So with a little wiggle room on the carbs and protein, but primarily it's a fat issue. So what do you do when you're hungry? Have 200-ish calories to spare, but they can only be mostly fat. Well, if you're hardcore like me, coconut oil probably came to your mind first, but no, that's not what we're going to be going through today. I want to talk about macadamia nuts. Instead of grabbing that snack-sized bag of Boom Chicka Pop, been there or keto oreos from costco also done it macadamia nuts are the world's natural fat bomb they're rich in monounsaturated fat they have over 60 percent fiber and has a potent dose of potassium too the mineral that sensitizes your cells to uptake thyroid hormones so that your metabolism stays revved up One serving of macadamia nuts is 270 calories and a whopping 27 grams of fat so you can hit your fat macro without having to eat another one of those cream cheese fat bombs you have stuffed in your freezer. And let's talk a sec about monounsaturated fats. They encourage weight loss, reduce pain and stiffness, lower risk of heart disease and stroke, balance out LDL cholesterol, and improve blood sugar control. Plus, they taste delicious but it's really hard to find macadamia nuts that don't taste like plasticky. Have you had that? Or often they're just crumbly and dry. And this is why the only brand I trust is House of Macadamias because they source directly from farmers and hand sort their products in the world's leading harvest facility in South Africa. I love, love, love their macadamia snack products from houseofmacadamias.com. Each little packet is loaded with flavor. They have onions, sea salt, zesty salsa, chocolate, white chocolate, white chocolate raspberry dipped, and all of these are dairy-free and free of all the funky ingredients you would expect in keto snacks, because let's face it, most keto snacks are keto garbage. Head to houseofmacadamias.com slash KDP and check out their selection of fat-filled snacks. They have bars too, and if you like what you see, use the code KDP20 for 20% off your first purchase. That's houseofmacadamias.com slash KDP and use the code KDP20 for 20% off. Yeah, I'm the same way in my practice. A lot of clients will come to me and say, my hormones are messed up. I want to test my hormones. And I'm like, we can, but there's so many more things we need to go through before we even touch those. Because everything you're doing from the diet to exercising to mindfulness to, it sounds like you also do a little bit of trauma work, like all that stuff will influence the hormones. And if we test them now, it's fun to kind of see what we're working with and how far we'll go. But, you know, 
know, some of those tests can be rather expensive. And so testing it right out the gate, it sounds like you're saying the same thing might not be the best approach for some people. Yeah. And it really depends, honestly, on the woman. Like we, we have a few different prongs that we use in our practice. So we always do complete functional blood labs. We run the Dutch test, a dried urinary test for comprehensive hormones. We run GI map testing. And then there's a few other ones that we may pull in there, but it's really determining like, where's the best place to start? Oftentimes, like if we can have that full blood panel, that can give us a lot of information to work with. Also in conjunction with her symptoms, like I want to know her story. I probably do the least amount of talking in an initial consult because I want to hear from her. What has been going on? How long has this been going on? Explain this to me, you know, those kind of things. But I will have some women that come in and are like, no, I want to test the hormones right now. And I'm like, okay, like I'll, I'll meet you where you're at. We'll do the thing you want to do. You know, and what I do love about having this ability to, to be able to look at different sources of chemistry in our body, like looking at our blood serum is very different than looking at our saliva, than looking at our urine, than looking at our stool, or even looking at our hair, right? So it's like, one of the things I do like actually about the Dutch, if we do that earlier, is I can get a pretty solid adrenal picture that can talk to me in, in other ways. And I get to see her phase one and her phase two detoxification abilities. I get to see some methyl pathways. So again, like this is when as a practitioner, you really want to be able to decide what that first step is you're going to take based on the individual in front of you. Completely. And what I'm hearing you say also is a lot to do with education of the individual. And I want to kind of hone in this a little bit because I think what a lot of people are kind of, I mean, times are changing. We're starting to realize that if we want to improve our health, we have to at least understand how our body works and be empowered that way. Have you seen uh, the clients that really grasp onto the concepts and really want to learn about their body? Because it sounds like your program is a lot to do with educating somebody and understanding what's going on with their body and how and how it works and how to question. Why do you see this as being so important? Because it the struggles people are having with their health, the struggles women specifically are having with their health, if they do not understand the why behind the what, nothing will change. They will be in another program next year. They'll be working with another practitioner. They will have invested so much time, money, and energy, but they will actually have not learned anything else. They'll leave every appointment with a brown paper bag with more remedies and more supplements and herbs and botanicals, but they won't be able to explain to someone why they're taking what they're taking, what is actually going on in their body. So the whole ethos of everything I do is, and I'll even say to women, I am not the person you want to work with if you simply want to be told what to do. I am not here to tell you anything, but if you want to learn and you want to be taught and mentored, come in my world. I will teach you. And my whole thing is that I actually believe, Leanne, like if we imagine the difference that would have happened if in grade seven and grade eight and in high school, we were actually taught everything about our bodies as women, how much more confident we would be, how empowered we would be, how like just imagine what would have changed in our lives. So for me, Yes, I'm working with the woman or the women that are in the group with me at any given time, but I'm trying to teach her in a way so she can then teach other women and teach her girls and that we can just start to actually, you know, one of the reasons I stopped doing just purely one-to-one -one is I was like, I need to stretch this message wider and bigger. And at the end of the day, if what I'm really here to do is to educate, I can't do that one-to-one. -one. There's only one of me. 
And I just think that for us as women, if we can slow down how quickly we want to achieve the end result and we can understand more along, we're going to have a lot more compassion for ourselves. We're going to have a more graceful approach to how we do it. And the beautiful thing that happens, I know you see this with your clients too, is that when they have that moment where it clicks and they get it, all of a sudden now the story we tell ourselves, like, I don't have discipline. I don't have self-control. It's not possible for me. All of a sudden now, when they understand why you're asking them to avoid, you know, the gluten or to not have so much sugar or whatever it may be, all of a sudden now, when you explain it in a way where it clicks or you can teach them their labs, right? Like their chemistry and you can show them like, this is your actual body. The moment it sinks in and connects for them, it loses the energy, meaning that story they told themselves, like they don't have the discipline. This is just them. I just have a sweet tooth. You've just lost the charge on it. And now they're going to be so much more successful at the next opportunity to make a different decision. Yes, completely. And I think we've talked a little bit about the cycle a little bit and hormones and training. And and we've had conversations in the past on the podcast with other guests about how to train right for your cycle and where things are at. But if a woman is listening to today's episode and they're like, "Mm, like my period is like, okay, ish, like, I think it's fine. And I had a pretty good history with my period. Like, that's fine. I think I'm good hormonally. Where are hormones playing a role in our life overall? And if, if your period is good, are your hormones okay? Well, no, not necessarily because your period hormones aren't every single hormone that's in your body. You have a multitude of them. And those hormones are chemical messengers that they have a lot of jobs. They're, they're very busy. <laughs> they're doing a lot in any given day. But when we're talking about that, like maybe your period is not the issue, but you know, you don't have sustainable energy throughout the day and you have brain fog and you have cravings that are kind of running the show. So we want to look at things like what's your insulin doing? And what about your cortisol? You know, like your adrenal hormones, how's your thyroid doing? You know, do you sleep well throughout the night? There's a lot of different things that are actually connected back to our hormones that we may not realize. You know, are you losing your hair? Do you have any issues going on with your skin? Do you feel puffy and inflamed? And that's where we would want to be looking at some of the other areas of the hormones that aren't necessarily specific to what's happening on a period level. Mm -hmm. So mostly in people's minds, they think hormones equals period, thyroid issues are kind of part of the hormone stuff, adrenal issues are kind of part of the energy part. Do you break this down separately or do you see really the thyroid, the adrenals and sex hormones to do with a woman's menstruation and experience with menopause kind of all kind of influenced by one another? Oh, a hundred percent. Like we were taught that we have silos in our body, right? Like we have like, we're like a mall and then we have different department stores. <laughs> so it's like, you know, if you have something going on with your adrenals, well, it's just your adrenals. Or if you have a thyroid issue, it's just your thyroid. Or if it's your period, it's just your period. And that's absolutely not true. Everything's interconnected. And so you could have a woman that you're working with where right now her period's regular, it's pretty manageable, but she has some suboptimal thyroid stuff going on. If we were to just ignore that and not understand the potential implications moving forward of a suboptimal thyroid, that woman is probably not not going to have a fantastic journey into perimenopause because we didn't have the foresight to realize we need to support the thyroid 
And if we're supporting her thyroid, we should also give some adrenal support. We should also make sure her minerals are in check. And then we should also make sure that there's not underlying inflammation because any of those things that are kind of just like low grade, you know, we like, oh, I'm just used to that. That's me. When you hit a big transition in your life, like your ovaries no longer releasing an egg and ovulating every month or estradiol starting to drop, testosterone fluctuating, all those things that are going to happen when you get into perimenopause and menopause, that's all of a sudden where women will say like, I was fine and then the rug was pulled out from under me. That doesn't actually happen. It's just that nobody was looking deep enough or asking her different types of questions to then create little bits of support. Does that make sense? Oh, completely. It does. Yes, completely. It's that slow trickling effect. You know, we see that on blood work too, you know, often you'll just see this constant pattern and it progresses just like bit by bit by bit. And it's nothing crazy. You know, it just keeps on creeping up over 10, 15 years. And then all of a sudden bad things happen, you know? So I I can see that too. And many of the patterns that I go through of, and even symptoms, right? Like you can have like an ongoing nagging symptom that you've just learned to deal with and it could be a, a check engine light. And so, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. The other thing I just want to say on that is that also too, and this is where like asking questions really does matter is that a woman might be saying or or listening to this, thinking her period's fine, but that's because she has an IUD right now or because she's on the pill and those things are being influenced by, you know, hormone replacement. And so we have to be very even clear on our communication, like, okay, your periods are fine. So tell me more, like ask the question, do you take the pill? Do you, have you had a Depo-Provera shot? Are you using an IUD? Because that could actually be the reason that the things are an issue for her. So I think it's important that we also ask those questions because more than 60% of women who are prescribed the birth control pill, It's not for birth control at all. It's to help manage a symptom that was impacting their life in some way. Majority of women who are given the option of an IUD, whether it's a copper IUD or it is a hormonal IUD, it's also not for birth control. It's because they have a history of breakthrough bleeding, of painful periods, of heavy bleeding, of fibroids, of cysts. And so we also have to ask those questions to understand when someone's saying, well, that's not an issue for me. Okay, well, tell me more. Yep, completely. I was actually, that was my next question is how does birth control fit into all of this completely? Because I think what a lot of people don't understand and, and you, you hit the nail right on the head is tell me more about your period because a period quote unquote on hormonal birth control, the pill is not a period. It's a breakthrough bleed. And so it's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different ball game when it comes to that. Yeah. And it is important for us to have more conversations about that because women aren't, first of all, when you are given a prescription for the pill, you don't, they don't take you through a thorough medical history. They don't let you know some of the side effects. They also don't prepare you for what might happen when you come off the pill. And for a lot of women, they have, you know, post pill amenorrhea and they don't get a period back. And for the woman who did go on it for birth control, who then comes off because she wants to start a family and now she doesn't have a period, women just don't, you know, we're not educated 
educated enough. Like when we're taking the pill, we don't ovulate once. It shuts down the part of the pituitary gland in the brain that actually is responsible for getting ovulation in motion. You know, it increases our sex hormone binding globulin. So for the woman who's on the pill, if it's binding up all her free testosterone, you know, she's on the pill, but she has no libido. So she doesn't even want to be intimate. And that can hang around for a while coming off the pill. It changes the gut microbiome. And there's been copious studies that have shown now that the birth control pill can act very similarly to an antibiotic in our gut. And so, you know, it's everybody, these are personal decisions and very important ones to make for ourselves. And only you can make that decision, but we all deserve to be informed about the decision that we are going to make. It's the same thing if a woman is, you know, being prescribed an IUD, you know, and being told like, we'll just take the copper one because it doesn't have any hormones and there's no side effects. Well, but that's not actually true. Some people have copper toxicity. For some people that copper is going to displace, you know, iodine and zinc and, you know, other minerals in their body that could then impact their adrenal thyroid health. Some women's bodies actually don't like foreign object inside of the cervix and will start to absorb that IUD into the uterine lining. And, you know, I think as well too, it's just, if you are like, I was on the pill for, for seven years, no one asked me any questions. I've shared my, my pill story a ton of times, but I had no idea, no idea. I just took this thing because my doctor said, here you go. And I think that for most women, you know, we just, we have so much trust and faith in our doctor or in our provider that no one's encouraging us to ask those questions. Oh, completely. And, and the big word that you use decisions, like we can't, we cannot make a decision if we don't have all the information, like, you know, like it's like going to an ice cream shop and saying, you can have ice cream one or ice cream two. And you're like, well, which, which ice cream is it? Like, I gotta know, you know, like, but there's none of that. We're just walking in and the informed consent piece is so huge. And as somebody who struggled with hypothalamic amenorrhea for eight years, guys, like eight years because of the pill, I had been on it four years and it took me eight years to get my cycle back. Like, and I was fighting tooth and nail for that. And so, yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. And the piece on copper buildup, I actually, one of my mentors shared this progression of copper buildup, uh, perhaps before this audio, I'll share it so that people can kind of see that progression from just an ongoing exposure all the way to a affecting potassium and tissue calcium and, and removal of coppers. So I'll be sure to include that in the audio at the end of today's, cause it's kind of long. So I'll just go through it all because yeah, it, it, that's, it really comes down to decisions. Like it's good to have the information. We talked about that previously. Once you have the information, there's a level of informed consent. Then you can say, okay, I have all the information. I understand what this can do. I'm choosing to do X, right? But how are you supposed to know if you don't know? And your doctor's like, here, take this. And you're like, okay. Right. And it's so interesting. And listen, like the responsibility of this is not back on the individual that's going in to, to ask for support. It it is really on the, the person who is writing the prescription and they also have to be educated in a certain way, which, which we know that they're not, but it's like most people in life will take you know, a longer time making a decision and ask more questions about the new car that they're going to buy versus the thing they're going to put into their body. 
And so we just have to start to like, as we understand as a consumer, when we're going to like make an investment and like purchase something big, whether it's like a car, a house, a, you know, new, whatever the heck it is, like there's a lot of people that'll research it inside and out and like get different opinions and shop around, right? All of those things. But, you know, we have to remember with our bodies, like we get one. We get one. We can't trade our body in like we can trade in a leased vehicle. We can't go and take off, you know, the sweater that has holes in it to put a fresh one on. We get one body and those decisions that we make for our body, they have to feel like good ones. I remember when my husband and I bought our first RV, I was really pumped about having a little cubby in the RV dedicated to snacks. I really love snacks and throughout my ketogenic life, I know what they say. You don't even need to snack. You're so free, free from food, but I, I like snacking. I really enjoy snacks. And up until a couple of years ago, my snacks really were comprised of bars, like protein bars and nut butter packets. But when Paleo Valley came out with their meat sticks, game changer. I love, 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 love Paleo Valley meat sticks for so many different reasons, including the fact that they travel well. They're packed with probiotics. They're fermented beef sticks. They're not those chewy jerky like sticks and meat bars that are just gross. Oh, I don't enjoy those very much. They're soft and good and the flavors are on point. Mm, I'm honestly just salivating thinking about it. You can go to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code KETO, all in caps, to receive 15% off your first order. Again, that's paleovalley.com all uppercase keto is the coupon code to receive 15% off your order. Definitely load up on those sticks. They're some of my favorite snacks. Well, one of my favorite snacks. I have two in my purse all the time. I've shared them with friends and family, gotten everyone in love with these things. They're so tasty. Your kids are going to love them. Your husband's going to love them. You're going to love them. They're really, really good. And they have some really great subscription products up there to save a good amount of money on these sticks. So again, that's paleovalley.com coupon code keto. Enjoy. Oh, I have never heard that compared. And I love that idea. I just spent probably four weeks researching derma rollers. <laughs> and like, it was epic. Like it was epic down to like millimeters and technique and like using red light. And I, yeah, completely. And that was a $80 purchase. And I was all about it. Like I want to make the right decision. I don't want this to be an issue. Like, yeah, I mean, completely. <laughs> yeah. And it's, again, it, you know, I always like, here's the thing that we'll also do. And I just want to say this, like for everyone listening is each of us are at a different chapter in our journey of our life and our connection to our body and our health. Okay. And so where I was at my chapter one in learning and understanding and where I am now in like chapter 25 is like, I'm not even the same person, let alone, am I at the same stage? And so just be careful, like as you're listening or as you read different things out there, try not to compare yourself and put the pressure on yourself that you have to wake up tomorrow and change everything to meet someone's chapter 25. Like allow yourself to be a beginner again. 
and learn and just slowly, like every one positive thing that you do for your health and your hormones, there is an upward spiral effect that is going to create awesome impact and change. So you don't have to do it all now. I'm so glad you touched on that. Uh, it's, it's so, 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 so important. And you're so right. We can jump on social media or hear conversations like this and be like, Oh my goodness, I have to get my IUD out and I have to do this, that, and the other thing and prepare my adrenals and blah, it can be completely overwhelming. So I'm, I'm so, so thankful that you talked about that. You also touched on a little piece a, a little bit ago on the rug being pulled out from under you and just, you know, our body slowly working its way toward a massive destruction event, you know, whether it's all of a sudden you can't sleep or, or whatever the case may be. How do we prepare, you know, we talked a little bit about the adrenals and the ovaries not producing anymore, the adrenals taking over. How do we prepare for that or avoid that rug from being taken out from under us when it comes to preparing for menopause? Yeah, it, well, so first of all, like really paying attention and and being connected to your body. So when you feel something, you don't need to like overanalyze it and be like, oh my gosh, what is that? What's going on? But just get curious about it and make note of it. So, you know, we don't just go from being these regular cycles, like fully menstrual bleeding women to like, all of a sudden we wake up one day and now we're in menopause. The perimenopause happens in multiple phases as well. The typical journey for a woman's body internally, if you were to look at things like pituitary function, secretion of follicular and luteinizing hormones, her ovarian health, her adrenal all of that. It's about an eight to 10 year journey where there's this slow kind of unwinding that is happening inside of our bodies. And that'll show up sometimes in like, oh, my period used to be like 30 days and now it's 28 days. And that becomes a norm. And then the 28 days is like a couple years later, 26 days, or, you know, my period used to be seven full days and now it's four days or my period used to be four days. And now I like gush for three days and then it lasts another three days you start to pay attention, notice these things. I used to sleep, you know, like so easily. Now I wake up multiple times in the night. I used to be able to manage stress a whole lot better. And now I can't, my hair used to be thick and lush and now it's feeling drier. You know, I used to have no problems in intimacy and now I have vaginal dryness and it's actually uncomfortable. Like all these different things that are happening, these, there's just like a slow unwinding that's going on. So we don't just like get to a point where today your period stops and tomorrow you've entered menopause. As you go through this journey of perimenopause, which is the transition, perimenopause is our second puberty as women. Okay. So we have puberty that we understand starts somewhere typically between the ages of like eight and 11 years old, where we start to notice that the shape of our body changes, the smell of our body changes. We will notice like as women, different cervical mucus in our underwear that weren't there before. Our mood starts to change. We want to be alone more than we want to be with people. We have these highs and these lows. All these things start to change. And so we understand that as puberty and puberty is not a year or two years. Puberty doesn't end when you get your period. Puberty is again, about eight to 10 years. That's what perimenopause is for us. So we had these hyper hormones when we went through puberty, where we were having a surge of estrogen, where we were starting to ovulate, where we are having this increase in androgenic activity and hormones. And now we're going to start to go through the opposite of that. 
So in the perimenopausal transition, oftentimes what happens, and this isn't always because it's never the same for any two women, which is why paying attention to your body is like the greatest gift you can give yourself. But oftentimes what will happen is we don't ovulate every month anymore. So as our ovaries are like, I have been serving you for like 40 solid years now. And like, I am, I am ready to just like get off stage. Like this is the farewell tour. Well, the farewell tour doesn't just like, I'm done. You know, what'll happen is there's still some hormones that are being, you know, kind of, kind of spit out. And so you may have some cycles where you ovulate, but then you have anovulatory cycles where you can still bleed, but you haven't actually ovulated. So now your progesterone starts to lower because the only way that we produce like ample progesterone as a woman is we actually have to release an egg from the follicles on our ovaries. The body then takes that material, reabsorbs that, and now produces progesterone. When you don't ovulate and you don't have that naturally occurring progesterone, your body, like your adrenals will like eke out little amounts of progesterone, but not what you were used to. So you're going to notice mood changes. You'll notice libido changes. You'll notice maybe anxiety. You might notice that, you know, you have breast tenderness like you never used to have before. You may get headaches and migraines coming into your period because your estrogen is still staying relatively high at this point. But if you don't have the progesterone, that estrogen is unbound. So oftentimes people will refer to this as estrogen dominance. It's not that you have too much estrogen sometimes. It's that you have a healthy amount, but you don't have any of the progesterone to ground it. It's like having a sugary carbohydrate without protein, fat, or fiber to slow down how quickly your body has that response to it. That's like if we have too much unbound estrogen in our body. Estrogen is a beautiful hormone, but when it's not neutralized, you know, it's what makes things grow. So breast tenderness, breast cysts, fibroids, heavy menstrual, you know, changes that are happening. And so when we're really preparing our bodies to come into perimenopause and menopause, you want to think of the foundational things honor your digestive system. So if you right now, you're like, I have a lot of bloating and gas and constipation, please start to work on those things now. If you are, you know, have big sugar cravings, start to address your blood sugar and keep that stable. If you can have stable blood sugar, oh my gosh, your adrenals and your thyroid are going to high five you all the time. They'll be so happy. Think about foundational nutrients. Like for us as women, we, because again, we've been taught this, we focus so much on vitamins. It's super important, but not enough on the minerals. You know, it's like, I've never worked with a woman who has adrenal issues where we don't have to support her sodium and her potassium. And recognizing that sodium and potassium, well, that's within the kidneys. That's supporting our blood pressure. So if you get dizzy and lightheaded, your kidneys also govern the health of your ovaries. So it's like one simple change of adding in like, you know, some sea salt into your water or a packet of element or relight, like that can be a monumental shift for a woman. If she's not taking magnesium, starting to bring some magnesium in, which can also help her nervous system, can help the tone of those bowels, get her actually pooping, help her sleep better at night, you know, things like that. Nourishing with B vitamins is oftentimes very important for women as they're coming into perimenopause and menopause. And potentially looking at things like, you know, I always love omega-3s for women. Sourcing, it depends on the woman, but that's going to keep our cells nice and healthy and, and juicy and lipid. Getting in the right type of fats into our diet. I mean, our hormones are steroids, chemical hormones. They require a healthy amount of cholesterol. 
And we need to have a healthy source of fat to be bathing so many of those processes, to be absorbing many of the nutrients that we're eating or we're taking in our supplements, to be getting in enough healthy fiber that the body can work with so that we have these great quality bowel movements. Like if you're not pooping, I don't care what other goal you have in your life. If you don't poop every day, that should be goal number one is like really good quality bowel movements, your drainage, your lymph, your elimination. And then I think the most important thing outside of that for women is you have to prioritize your rest. You cannot, when you're coming into what I refer to as like your wise woman years, like into perimenopause and menopause, where like, first of all, your meter just gets a whole lot shorter. Like you just don't have it in you anymore. You can't be burning the candle at both ends anymore. You, you have got to prioritize rest. You need to get yourself into bed earlier. Even if you're not sleeping, just being still. And so by thinking about these different things of supporting digestion, blood sugar, adrenals, all these different things, hydrating, you know, electrolytes, getting rest, that is going to create such a beautiful runway for your body to make that final transition so that when you go into your first full calendar year of absolutely no bleed, that is now when you are, that is menopause. All the other phases and stages leading into it are perimenopause. Menopause is where you have not had a bleed for that full year. And after that point now, that's where you're into the postmenopausal phase of your life. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Thank you so much for explaining that so elegantly and perfectly. <laughs> yes, completely. <You're> welcome. <laughs> yes, that was so beautiful. And with the blood, the stable blood sugar, I think, you know, because this is a more ketogenic, low carb community. A lot of us chase really, really low blood sugar. And we're like, how low can we get it? I can tell you from personal experience, friend, too low is not a good thing either. No. Um, and so really, really important to understand that stability is the name of the game and anything, at least what I kind of shoot for as it relates to just glucose levels is like, 75, 80, 85, like somewhere in there for your glucose. But I see a lot of people try to aim for like, Ooh, it would be so good if I was like at 60, let's aim for 60. And it's like, ah, yeah. Don't and do you that. gotta be, you have to be so careful of that coming into your perimenopause and menopause years, because if you've been, if that approaches what you've been doing for a long time, and, and that is like what made you feel so good, and you're still feeling good in the moment, you have to be careful because as we transition and we're having this decrease in some of those core hormones that are part of our insulin sensitivity, we need carbohydrates as women, as we are aging, like your thyroid is dependent on that. And that doesn't mean you're going out and like now all of a sudden you're doing like loaves of sourdough bread, but it's, you have to start to learn how, as you get into a different hormonal phase, to, where can you softly start to titrate up some of that carbohydrate in, um, intake because your glucose and your glycogen, like it's the glycogen really, when we're talking about storage in the liver, in the muscles, it changes for us as we go into that very different hormonal phase of our life. So if you're a woman who wasn't doing a ketogenic 
ketogenic or a moderate to low carb approach, then coming into menopause, that actually might be what you have to consider to help to manage your insulin because without the presence of those sex hormones as being robust, you are more insulin resistant meaning your body is just not doing as well of a job managing that as it once did. And this is the slippery slope for a lot of women when they feel like they gain 10 pounds overnight in menopause is that the body's not utilizing insulin in the same way. And insulin is your, it's a fat storage hormone. And so it doesn't take long for unstable insulin combined with some stress, combined with some, you know, lifestyle habits, too much cardio, not enough strength, or adding in elements of yoga and Pilates and those things. And it doesn't take long in our menopausal bodies for that weight to come on. Body composition change is a real thing for women in menopause. Yes, completely. Jen, I feel like we could talk forever about all of these good things and it's just so great to connect with you. And it's always such so lovely when you get to connect with like-minded humans on a mission to change, to change the world really. And how yeah, other people, honestly, yeah, really, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Where can people find more from you? Where's the best place that they can connect? And I know that you put together an adrenal health freebie also for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Go and check that out. Instagram, uh, if you're looking for health and hormones is Jen Pike. It's Jen with two N's. My website, jenpike.com. And then I have a podcast as well that I actually just interviewed you on yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the Simplicity Sessions. And uh, yeah, those those are the three best places and spaces to hang out. That's great. We will include those. And the freebie is also jenpike.com slash adrenal health. So you guys have it here. And uh, Jen, again, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Great. I hope you enjoyed our time with Jen Pike. You can find more from her by going to jenpike.com. That's J-E-N-N-P-I-K-E.com. She's also put together a little freebie for y'all jenpike.com slash adrenal health. Okay. Well, have a great rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, if you did jump on Instagram and let me know at Leanne Vogel. Okay. We'll see you back here for another episode of the keto diet podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.